For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. We are back again. I am one of your hosts. I am Javon J. Love Adams, and beside me is the one and only Ed Easy Smith. He is a former NFL pro player, also played professional baseball as well. What is good, my friend? Man, it's good to be back in the seat with you, man. I appreciate Brother Earl filling in for me last week while I was back east, and I know y'all dropped it like it was hot. So, man, you gotta you gotta be just as upset as Earl was when he was talking about these Arizona Cardinals. Man, you you know how Earl oh, gets yeah. lately, yeah. especially in the last year or so when it comes to when it comes to uh, the Arizona Cardinals. So, shout out to Earl Burnett that uh, filled in in my partner's absence last week. But we are, of course, believe in the Arizona Cardinals. We are a Cardinals show. We we broadcast from the Valley of the Sun and we talk about the Arizona Cardinals. We're not a Homer podcast. We try to tell. Like it is, and so we speak truth. That's what it is, and so we're going to give you a recap of sadly another loss for the Arizona Cardinals. They are now 0-3 and one. They faced their division rival. I guess it's what is it? You can't if you're the nail, the hammer and the nail can't necessarily have a rivalry, right? No, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So we're going to give a quick recap on that. I want to get your thoughts uh, and on just. At 3 and one, nobody expected it to be this bad. It would be like this. I mean, because there's, I think it would be there. There's different ways to be o three and one. There's different ways to get there, and I'll give you my thoughts on that. And I want to get your take on it. And so I want to talk about what that o and three start. What does it tell you about the Arizona Cardinals? Also, can growth take place this season? And we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the Bengals coming up this week, and will they? And I just. I just walked in as I was getting all set up, and you were on a podcast, and you were talking about the the game this week. So I'm, I want you to bring those thoughts to the table. People might be curious to, will be in, interested to hear what your thoughts on this game might be, or what the final score will end up being, and then what happens to the Cardinals if they indeed lose. So let's get to it. Recap of the game. The game it got out of hand kind of early. Well, I'll say this: no, the the Cardinals were in it for for a certain part of the game, and then. It's just like things just started to, the the mistakes of games past started to rear their ugly head. And your thoughts on the game against the Seattle Seahawks? Well, you know, it, it's a once again, and you said it perfectly just a minute ago. It's not whether you win or lose; it's how you win or lose. Sometimes, mm-hmm. and we're at that point now. We're only a quarter of the way into the season. Oh, three and one. I thought at the the end of the Lions game, we saw like a light. Right. They came back and gave us a... And the Lions are a little bit better than people gave, yeah, gave yeah. than we even gave them credit for, but to your point, And they ahead. gave us a glimpse, you know, in that fourth quarter. It was like, because a lot of people thought, wow, even though we ended up tying, it was this, we got a glimpse of what it might be. Mm-hmm. If they can come out and play like this, and my question was, could they keep up that type of pace that they put into that fourth quarter primarily against the Lions? Is it even possible to keep that type of pace up? Regardless of that, you know, like I said, at least they gave us like a ray of hope. Over the last three games, man, it's been it's been very pedestrian at best in terms of 
the uh, the offense. We've been all through the preseason. We kept getting this, you know, hey, we're going to keep it all under wraps. But, man, when we take this thing out, it's going to be like, like you ain't never seen it before. <laughs> and to this point. You tell that young lady, wait till I get you home. Oh wait till I get goodness, you home. You don't goodness, even know what you know? in for. Then after a few minutes, you're saying, it don't usually go down like that. Yeah, Sorry about yeah. That. <laughs> so it was one of those things, man, where we're still, we've been waiting on it. But my biggest concern, to be honest, which is not just the offense, it's the overall yes. of the team. Right. You know, it's one thing, like I said, we, we've been told all along that Kingsbury is this genius. He's going to revolutionize. He's going to do this, do that. Regardless of what the offense does or has done to this point, I'm still seeing like no growth or progress in any aspect of the Cardinals so far. Mm-hmm. Meaning, in a lot of situations, maybe the defense, you know, like I said, we got we got Vance Johnson, new defensive scheme. Maybe they come out and they support the cause while the Cardinals' offense is trying to find this way, trying to figure it out. Thus far, as far as I'm concerned, the CEO is letting the whole product just wilt. It's like a flower that's not getting any water, man. It's just, it just looks like, man, it could, could really use a little sprinkle and some sunshine. <laughs> and we're just not getting that right now. I mean, we can go into the specifics of the offense, but overall as a whole, as a team, I'm seeing, man, we just, we got a long way to go. One of the things that when we've talked about this, this is the, it's Groundhog's Day all over again when we're talking about, I'm going to the defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. before we get back to the offense from this game. What happened in this game? So I'm going to read off somebody's stats to you. Will Disley, oh. seven receptions for 57 yards. And you ask yourself, who is that gentleman? Well, who would he be? Who else would he be if we're talking about the Arizona Cardinals this season? Toss in that touchdown too. We had a touchdown as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I can't. I can't short the man because he probably <laughs> won't have another one all season. But and he had a touchdown as well. And he's the tight end. And that the the inability or the that that weakness it was was was. Was focused on was thank you was exposed mm-hmm. this past game again where they couldn't seem to to get it, that that touchdown in the end zone it was he was wide open you don't you would think that somebody would say if nothing else t- guard this man make sure that you know where this man is and that reared its ugly head there were times when the when the defense was playing well they got some uh, you know a couple of strips that I mean some some turnovers in terms of f- forced fumbles but. One of the one stat that I heard on Monday, and I didn't realize this, is that they don't have any interceptions this season. Minus Patrick Peterson, what have we talked about from the very start of the season? Right. Young, inexperienced secondary, and because of that, if that front isn't getting enough pressure on a quarterback, too much time to sit back and pick, you know, just pick them off singularly back there. So that that that's a telling stat, like you said. And and one of the things, so the the end, the final score was twenty seven to ten. The you know at the end of the first half it was twenty to three and then each team scored another touchdown in the fourth quarter and it's I, I want to move on from this game for this reason because a lot of the a lot of the things that we saw or the things that didn't go well in this game are things that I wanted to talk about from more of a macro and slightly a micro level when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals this season. So what does the zero three start tell you about the Arizona Cardinals? What what does it tell you? To me, it's. <sighs> All, not all 0-3-1 start, starts are the same. You could have somebody, for example, you could be 3-0 and as there were, as, who was it, that the card, oh, then when the when the New England Patriots played the, the Buffalo Bills, while it was a closer game than I think some people expected, they were able to get to, to uh, 
to Tom Brady a little bit more, get or frustrate him just a bit. But still, it, it was when you're looking at who they want, who they defeated. It mm-hmm. was a shaky three and zero, so you, it wasn't a confident three and zero. So not all three and zeros are are the same. And the same with being a winless team is that. You would you expected to see if nothing else on the offensive end. You expected to see a lot more excitement, and you're not seeing that. You have to wait until the fourth quarter when when Kyler Murray gets a touchdown, and then the crowd starts to get into a, a little bit. And I'm going to tell you one of the words that I think is starting to come up, and I've heard this a little bit, and the reaction leads me to think this. But I want to get your thoughts on this 0-3, 0-3 one start. What does it tell you about the Arizona Cardinals? Well, you know, it's a it's an organization that's trying to find its way. New head coach for the second. year year in a row, right. which means new philosophy, which means new everything, you know, and then you toss in the boot, we go out and draft a new quarterback, first, you know, overall pick, so everybody's starting fresh. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like I said, my alarm flags go up when I still am, I'm waiting to see, I guess, the identity of this team or this organization for that matter. You know, you go to somewhere like Pittsburgh, you know, they're chin, you know, buckle his chin. You go to Green Bay, uh, you're going to get a lot of physical up there. The role, you know, it's cold up there, different things. I'm still trying to figure out what this team is supposed to be or what it's eventually going to be. And, you know, the question, like, normally by this time, you have a little sense, you know. And here's the, we're getting the fugazi right now. Because <laughs> all, all yeah. season, all we heard was high-flying, up-tempo, something you ain't never seen before. <laughs> Um, it's going to revolutionize the game. And thus far, it looks like a college-style offense. A lot of short passes. Of he short, doesn't show, he oh doesn't throw goodness. 10 yards down the field very that, often. How do you say dink and dunk in uh, in other, any other language? I mean, and then the other thing that is, you know, is concerning is, you know, there's, I'm just, I don't know, It's the I'm still stuck on Kyler Murray is a smaller quarterback. We know that. Right. And it just seems, I'm not going to say he's, because he's not overwhelmed. He's got poison. He's doing everything that you would want a young quarterback to do. Because he, you think about it, he could be in a whole different, like, psyche right now because it has not been easy on him back there. Yeah. But I don't, I still not seeing that, like, this is the dude. You know, this, to me, he's, he's, he's good. He's okay. Yeah. But in terms of, like, carrying this franchise from today on for the next 10 to 15 years, I'm, I'm still I'm just not seeing it yet. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to cast judgment too soon because you know it's only four games in, but I'm not seeing anything to this point that gets me all excited and that will lead me to believe like the Arizona Cardinals fans are excited as well. You know, you think about it, could be worse. We could be the Dolphins, yeah, and, and they're yeah. tanking on purpose, or you could be the Cincinnati Bengals who are not trying to tank, but they're still owing for the boot. So we're somewhere in between there, that gray area of, man, I, I, I hope it gets a little better, uh, and I hope it doesn't get any worse at the same time. One of the things with, with Kyler Murray is that you want him to be, again, he's a rookie, so you what one of the things, you think that you can do the things that you used to do back in the college, in, in the college realm, here in the professional football, and you can't necessarily do that in the National Football League when it comes to being able to outrun people and being able to choose your spots. And one of the things he does a lot is he takes a lot of sacks. Have you noticed that as, as quick and nimble as he is on his feet, there's been so many times when he's trying to peel out or get yeah. out of trouble, and it's almost like he trips over his own feet. Yeah. And that that's something that I never would have anticipated seeing. Yeah, I, it is. It's... 
it's very, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's concerning, but it's just an area that has to be worked on. And when you have a rookie, because you think that you, it's the, you ever been in a crosswalk or something and you see these young kids walking through and they just don't care the the light, you have the light and you, it's green yeah. and they just walk in front of your car because they think that they're bulletproof and they, they, they don't realize that, that car can actually hit them. That car yeah. can hit you. And, and I think it's, Kyler's going to have to get used to the fact that he, he, he just has to adjust his game a little bit and be able to pick and choose his spots. Along those same lines, I wanted to get your thoughts on this before I give you my word of the, of the segment, so to speak, <laughs> is that with, with Peterson being out, with with it, it's it really is it's a ripple effect in a negative way. Mm-hmm. When you plus you have an injury in the secondary as well, and so then that's all compounded. So you would uh, one school of one argument that I heard was that if he was there, then maybe they'd be able to cover these tight ends a little more, quite possibly. But they've had these issues with tight ends going back to last season as well. Well, what you have to remember is Patrick. His sole responsibility is taking away the number one wide receiver threat. Right. So in most instances, he would have absolutely unless they were running a lot of zone offense. Or defense, I should say, he would be responsible for taking a one yeah. A receiver away. He ain't got no, most no not on on Gronkowski's no longer in the league, so in no instance is the tight end the number one focal point. Well, he'd be able to have one one other quarterback maybe cover a tight end. Yeah, I mean that's it. All depends on yeah, the scheme, and we have to we'll have to monitor that when he as he does come back. How is he utilized? Is he going to be one of those lockdown dudes who we assign him to this dude and everybody else? You handle your business, whatever the scheme is, whether it's a man, you know, a zone with a man shell or whatever it is, mm-hmm. we'll have to figure that out. But right now, I mean, the, the tight end, I mean, I don't care. I mean, maybe we need to sneak an extra defender out there or something, get 12 on the field. Or I don't know, because they are just eating us alive. I mean, I, I wish I was – if I was playing against the Cardinals back in my day, man, I'd have maybe a little extra money, a little extra change. <laughs> Yeah, give me a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then send him a thank you card at the end yeah. of the season, too. One of the things is... No, the, before, you, let's, yeah. before we leave that thought, yeah. you know how quarterbacks, uh, at the end of the year, they buy their offensive linemen and defenders, <laughs> defenders and everybody, they buy them like watches watch. and yeah. trips and television and stuff like that. Yeah. Our, our defensive secondary is going to get a whole lot of gifts from who the tight ends <laughs> throughout the league. This is going to be just stuff showing up at the Cardinals facility. <laughs> Hey, thank you, dudes, man, for making my year. You know, hey, do you want to come out and join me at the Pro Bowl? <laughs> Tickets on me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And, again, a lot of the – in this offense, a lot, it seems to me, and I'm sure you've probably seen the same thing, or maybe I'm just looking at it wrong, is that a lot of – instead of running the ball, a lot of stuff that they're doing, and they're doing a lot of the, the short passes to try to to try to, to try to uh, in place of the run. And I, I really think that you're going to have to – at some point, be able to run the ball. If that means this season, again, think of it. If you have, if you don't have all the pieces to run the exact type of offense that you want to run, then use what you have and maybe make some changes, make some make some adjustments on the fly, so that you can at least be productive and maybe get some wins and evaluate the talent. And then next year, you can probably you can try to install depending on who you draft and, and the quality of those players, et cetera. But then be able to do it that way as opposed to just saying it's my this is my offensive philosophy, my way or the highway, because I think the best coaches, regardless of regardless of sport, they adjust to the personnel that they have. It is going to be a problem if Kingsbury continues on, I guess, like you brought the word philosophy. If, if his philosophy is this is my offense, this is how we're going to run it, Rain, sleet, snow, or sunshine. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in trouble here for however long he's here because I just don't think that that 
scheme. One is good in the NFL, especially not good for David Johnson. Johnson is a dude, man, you might have to get him 20, 25 touches regardless of how he's running the ball just to keep him in the flow, just to keep him going downhill. Thus far, I mean, you know, he has been one of the most tentative runners I've seen in a long time. Although he's great in the pass game because he had almost 100 yards in the pass game this week. Right. But you can't live on that. Right. You have to be able to every now and then line up third and short, fourth and short, fourth and goal, whatever it is. You got to line up and say, look, this is what we're doing. Stop us if you can. They don't even make an attempt at it. I mean, David had 11, rush, 11 rushes this past uh, week, I think, for 40 yards. Like I said, he did rebound in the passing game. But, I mean, regardless of what your offense philosophy is, it has to have some type of staple of a running attack to at least keep them off you, whether you, you know, age you in the past play action. Um, you got to have it for your short yards, different parts of your of your game. But, I mean, I see, I, I don't see anything developing if they stay on this path as far as the running game. Lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. That is the definition of apathy. And that is the worst thing that you can have when it comes to a team that you're trying, where, especially this year, where it's, it's, this is that year of change, so to speak. This is where you're trying to get back on track. When I say back on track, just to kind of get that 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 certain enthusiasm, that certain um, that certain energy around the in, in the valley and in the stadium. And I think when you when you have maybe fans that just don't care, the worst thing that you can happen is when they don't care whether you win or lose. Or if you lose, they say, "Ah, so what? Big deal." You want that. You need that support from your fans, your fan base. You want that from even on the on the lower level from the media as well. Because if it, if it if you become the second story on a on a Monday, then you know something's wrong. Especially when you are the big, you're supposed to be the big deal in town. And I think uh, if if they continue along this path, when they get to week 12, 13, because I think the apathy is already starting to rear its ugly head. But if you get to week twelve and you're thirteen and there, you can still have a, a losing record. But if you're not showing signs of growth, if you're not showing improvement, then I think that's where you're really going to have. I won't even say a revolt. It'll just be off into that silent night. The toughest part about our community out here, man, is the majority of us are transients. So we bring our allegiances, and I'm saying our fan base. Right. They bring their allegiances from wherever they grew up, you know, Minnesota, Chicago, New York. They bring those with them. And then on the backside, it's always, well, you know, we'll support. I watch the Cardinals. I like to support them as well. Problem is, they're not homegrown and ride or die. So that means if the Cardinals are not producing on the field, how many times, Jay, do we see toward the end of the year somebody's coming in there to play us and every, everybody's tickets are on sale. Yes, sir. They can be had for, for a handshake and a smile and a cup of coffee. And then our Cardinals are running out of the, 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 the state and out of the tunnel with the majority of the opposing fans in their building. And that will happen. And we know this, if, if this prolongs, It'll just get worse and worse. And next year, you know, we go into a season, more people will be already off the boat. You know, we're so the best thing they can do is do whatever, like you said, show, at least show us signs that they're heading in a positive direction. Because we're gonna get halfway through the season, maybe a, a win or two under our belt, and rather than a revolt, it's gonna be a mutiny hmm. of people jumping off the ship or trading sides or just saying, "I don't care anymore." 
So hopefully fans care enough to tune in to this week's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cardinals will be on the road going to Cincinnati. They will be without the services of, more, more than likely without the services of Christian Kirk. I believe that's an ankle. And when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, they're 0-4. They score 14.3 points a game, which is 30th. They give up 27.5 points per game, which is 28th, and that's out of 32 teams. I, I, the Cardinals should beat this team. Should. And I can't even say They're should. Three and a half points I can't even say should. But don't you get a three? But if you're the home team, don't you automatically get a three point? Get three points. So they're that's the, almost the like theory, a push, yeah. right? So it's, it's almost a, like a push. Yeah, yeah. What? Let me let me just scroll down real quick and see who the tight end is for the Bengals. They got Eifert, and they got uh, oh the other dude I always forget it starts with a B. Um, I know Eifert's going to be a big red zone target target for him. Right, you got uh, C.J. Uzamoa. Okay, uh, I'm look. I'm I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but they cannot lose this game. They have they have Ooh. to get something going in terms of offensively. They have to maybe get some type of run, running game. When you look at the when you look the Andy Dalton is on the other side of the field. Andy Dalton and he is no great shakes. He has five touchdown five touchdown passes this season. He had, he he got sacked eight times against Pittsburgh. Yeah, four interceptions that he's One, thrown. Yeah. He was he was able to be to be hurried. And the pressure was able to be applied to them. So if you think if if our defensive line can up, they get in there. Suggs actually had a decent game last yeah. game, and and so what do the Cardinals need to do, or will they be able to overcome? Will they be able to, with everybody saying you better win instead of you should win, you better win, even if you even if mentally you're not there, even if you want you want as bad as you can, but maybe you're maybe you're held back because of. Maybe the coach trying to find his rhythm and trying to still find his way. The the rookie quarterback still trying to learn learn when to turn it on and turn it off in terms of trying to gain those few extra yards and not taking the sack. What do the Cardinals need to do this week? Brother Jay, you know my theory about winning on the road. Oh, man, let, let is, them know. Let them not, know. It is not an easy task. Even going into Cincinnati, the, the, the fear I have is, one, Cincinnati is even more desperate than we are right now. Okay. I just got off a podcast, you know, talking to them dudes back in Cincy and man, mutiny. You talk about mutiny. They they are an established organization with pride, and we I know we have our pride out here, but it is totally unacceptable over there in Cincy to where they're playing right now. So you know they're going to come out. They got their young head coach as well. They got something to prove. We're coming on the road, and, I, and there's no shame in losing to Seattle. You know, the way you, you know, not necessarily the way you did, but, you know, you went on the road, played respectably against the Ravens. Um, we worked Detroit, who obviously they're a little better than we thought to a tie. Right. So it's like, you know, it, it's, man, it could be a whole lot worse, but at the same time, I almost get the feeling, man, that unless they, here's the thing, on the road, you have got to establish a run game, period. Right. right. You can't go in there thinking with the crowd noise. And the way things work out on the road, you have got to establish a run game, if nothing else, to extend drives, to keep the crowd out of it. If you want to drop back and just keep throwing passes, shame on you. So if they go in there with the same philosophy they had, they might get rolled. We might be the get right for Woo! Cincinnati. And that's saying a whole bunch. When they're 0-4. And, man, so I'm just hoping that in those meeting rooms this week, there's an emphasis on, look, we're going to go in there and we're going to put somebody, we're going to put a foot on somebody's neck and we're instead of this finesse, you know, 
If you go on or you take that on the road, somebody's going to take your lunch money, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> and right now, just I don't have confidence that those are the type of things that are being said and the message is being kind of conveyed. Hey, we're going to go in there and we're going to punch them in the mouth. And I just get the feeling, man, it's going to be the same old, same old with the same old result. Man, I... Yeah, I, I surely hope not. I surely hope not. So we'll definitely keep your keep uh, keep our eyes on that and be reporting that to you next week. But we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, today as we record this. The uh, the news came down that the the Cardinals owner Bill Bidwill passed away today at the age of eighty eight years old. Um, it's it's interesting because if you know the history of and you can you can Google it. I won't go into great depth, but if you know the history or kind of the relationship that that uh, Bill Bidwell had with in terms of the Valley. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an up and down thing because for a couple of decades, and you were here before I ended up coming to the Valley uh, easy, is that the, you know, they used to play at Arizona State, at Sun Devil Stadium yeah, before yeah. they got their own stadium, uh, you know, about, what, a decade ago. And that changed things. But up until that time, there was losing year after year, except for that, that uh, Jake Plummer season where they ended up getting into the playoffs and beating the, beating the, the Dallas Cowboys. But... It was I when I moved to the valley. I can remember hearing uh, every off season, leading up to training camp, you would hear the stories of a rookie. I mean, a rook, incoming rookie that was be, that was holding out because they didn't want to do put certain things in the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people are happy to have the Arizona Cardinals here. You hear about that uh, that Mr. Bidwill was was a philanthropist, and so he did a lot of things char- charity wise. Uh, was a man of faith, and so we want to definitely send our condolences. But it's a it's an interesting sports relationship. In terms of that 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 interaction with with uh, Bill Bibwell, and now of course his son from for the last few years has been mm-hmm. kind of serving as he's been the face of the organization and doing so much and being so active. But it's just it's an interesting thing because even listening to radio today, there were people that it's almost as if they were trying to find positive things to say uh, about the sports side of it. Now the other side of it, they would say you're a quiet yeah. man, great great man, very. Uh, well-read and intelligent and, and very personable and all those things. But on the sports side, you're kind of hunting for th- those positive things to say before when the stadium before when the stadium was built and things started to make that turn. Well, you couldn't have said any better, man. A great, great man, not necessarily a great owner of a franchise. But, you know, in, in, in his passing, you know, first I want to say uh, rest in peace, Mr. Bidwell, and to his family, obviously, our deepest condolences. Um the one thing that I'm that sticks with me is he was ahead of the curve in terms of giving minorities and people of color this is true. and all ethnicities opportunities. You know, uh, whether it be in the front office, coaching, uh, females in executiveship. You know, so that's the one thing I think that's his biggest legacy in terms of the franchise. His fran- in terms of ownership and. You know, maybe be a little too frugal sometimes and right. maybe not making the greatest decisions, uh, whether it be coaching, staff, and stuff like that. And he didn't have a lot of, to do with the staff, but obviously with the GMs and stuff right. like that. That was always in question. But in terms of his legacy, I think the thing people will remember most is he was ahead of the curve in terms of giving opportunities, regardless of race, color, creed, sex, anything like that. So that's the part that, you know, when you look back on it, I hope people remember more about that than the fact that maybe he wasn't always the, you know, the, the, and we're talking about him, but the family in general has not always been as terms of great ownership. But like I said, they, they really have bought a lot to this community in terms of the people that they've 
given opportunities to. Well said, well said. So until next week, on behalf of the one and only Ed Easy Smith, I am Javon J. Love Adams. And as we always, as my partner likes to say, first off, it's good to be back in the seat with you, man. Until <laughs> next week, everybody out there, be easy. Are you good? <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.